Hey everybody, uh, welcome to the Rated NA podcast. Uh, we're going to do something a little different this week. Um, and thank you everybody for listening. Whether you know or not know, uh, Nerd Appropriate is actually based in Orlando. So um, obviously we were uh, affected by uh, the tragedy over the past week. And there were actually two incidents over the past weekend. And, and we are all okay. Uh, we don't know anyone that was uh, personally involved, but both of these um, shootings um, occurred in our in our neighborhoods, places that are um, close to where we live, and uh, it's kind of a weird situation. But um, we know uh, that you're here to have fun and talk games, and that's cool. We're going to get to that in a second. Um, we are not here to talk about politics, so we're not going to get into that. But uh, instead of doing uh, our normal live reads this week in the middle of the show, uh, we would just like to make one humble request of you, uh, and if you can please uh, visit oneorlando.org to make a donation to help those affected. Uh, because no matter what you, uh, however you feel politically on, on different uh, issues, the thing that we can all agree on is that people were affected by this. Uh, people are hurting. The city of Orlando is hurting. And you've seen, obviously, the response by now from, from uh, other states and other cities and other countries around the world. So, um, like I said, if you can, please visit oneorlando.org to make a donation to help uh, those that were affected by this tragedy, and uh, we are going to do our regular show as normal after the musical break, and try to have a good time. And we thank you for joining us this week. everybody welcome to rated na the podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com this is episode number uh 236 and we're all here i'm matt and i'm scott i'm ash and uh we're basically just gonna well we're not gonna talk about e3 you guys are gonna tell me about e3 uh all episode long is that right this is a really good format i think this is a good strategy for this episode i do too I've, i've seen nothing i literally i read a brief article on what uh xbox scorpio is and then uh beyond that i've been in a completely separate conference i was gonna say maybe you should explain what you're doing briefly so that people just don't think that you ignored it completely i just hate gaming (laughs) yeah i just didn't want to watch anything anymore no uh, excellent i'm in san francisco at wwdc learning about apple things i'm here for work so i'm i'm partaking in all that and i'm exhausted if you can't hear it in my voice because my hours are all screwed up and i don't know what time it is well that's i mean that's still kind of cool like you you were there like things that people were there things that people millions of people watch over the internet you are there you were sitting in the audience and that's that's pretty awesome man yeah people got really excited about stickers and iMessages and (laughs) uh, other such nonsense but we'll, we'll talk about that next week uh this week is just um you guys telling me what games got announced and stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You so, want to go um, straight into it? Sure. Let's I mean, full disclosure, uh, none of us are actually at E3. We kind of watch this from the comfort of our own homes, and they're doing a great job this year. Various outlets are actually broadcasting everything, you know, in real time. Uh, so you have, you know, through Twitch and through IGN and and various GameSpot, other other channels are just, you know, flooding us with information. So. You know, since E3 and E3, I guess, what are they calling it? Day minus one now. Uh, you know, yeah. since they started a day early. Since it started, it's just been, you know, constant flood of information, which is, you know, 
hitting us instantly. So there's no, there's no delay anymore. I don't think you really have to be there. <laughs> well, I mean, most of the information came out even before we were able to do an entire show about E3. It's very true. Uh, without actually anything occurring at E3. So I yeah, think that's very telling of, as well. there's a lot of leaks this year. But um, let's get into the news. Let's do it. News. What I thought we would do, and this can be on the show. Yeah. What I, hey, Ash and Matt. What, let's plan what, it. Let's plan it live. Yeah. Well, what I thought we could do is just very quickly, let's talk about the... Um, the the actual presentations themselves because something that i noticed this year uh is that there were let's see five six maybe five or six different briefings that yes uh, that we're going to cover and they were all completely different yeah no I, I can definitely talk about this um i mean in order i'll just put them in the order i watched i think i watched five the order of the ones that i that i enjoyed um i want to say sony and then microsoft and then, uh, oh, geez, Ubisoft, then EA. Is, am I missing one? Bethesda. Would you put Bethesda oh, before Beth- EA? Bethesda would be before EA. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. And then yeah, Nintendo does their, their treehouse, but it wasn't really like a briefing this year, oddly enough. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I didn't actually, I'm glad you watched the Nintendo stuff because I did not. So. I just kind of scanned it briefly. So for, for, for our listeners and for Matt, I guess, um, basically. Hey, what's up? So the first presentation, I believe, was from Bethesda, right? The the day right. prior. Um, Bethesda kind of had like a traditional presentation where they brought, you know, people out to talk about the games. And they showed a trailer and then there'd be some gameplay. But um, I thought maybe what was weird about that particular one is that like the tempo didn't feel right. You know, like if you can imagine there are natural you know, breaks in the action where they would think like, oh, I think people are going to applaud here. Like. Uh, I think the tempo with the audience was kind of off and people like didn't know when to clap. And then they started talking and then it's like, I talk first, you talk first. And then, um, but they showed a lot of great stuff, but I just thought like the overall tempo um, of the briefing was, was a little odd. There's definitely an art to, to putting these things together. You know, it's not, you, you can't just get, you know, random developers up there to talk because the audience, there's literally millions upon millions of people watching. Mm -hmm. So, and you also don't want to, you know, hire some celebrity to get up there and be like, you know, I'm Snoop Dogg and I'm playing some Battlefield. Oh, geez. Um, yeah. That, that's not going to fly talk about either. that later, so too. You need to find people that are part of your organization that are articulate and um, can get up there and actually plug your product and and know what they're doing on the stage. You yes. know, and that is something that doesn't happen very often at these shows. I think some, you know, I think Sony did a great job this year, but they also I think they had three people talking the entire show, yeah, which is so, an entire different layout. Yeah, know? we can talk about I wanted to save them for last, if that's okay. okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the reason why uh, I even wanted to talk about these briefings in the first place is A, because they were so very different, and B, I think that the industry is finally reacting to the um, sort of, like you were saying earlier, the immediacy of the information that is available and the fact that like I think a lot of people get their news now just from streaming, you know, from Twitch, right? So if you yeah, want to know sure. about the game, you can just go on Twitch and someone's playing it. And, um, so like where, you know, how do you, what kind of news do you want to expect to get from these press events? And then how do you motivate fans? I think, I think all of these different companies tackled this issue in a different way this year. And I just found that to be really fascinating in the way that they, uh, presented their materials. Right. Yeah. yeah things so, are changing very quickly. Yeah. You know, the way that people are consuming video games is just, it's mm-hmm. a totally different 
different ball game than it was even two years ago. Absolutely. So um, just really quickly, Nintendo um, kind of just did like a live stream uh, from their uh, booth on the floor and they called it, you know, the Nintendo Treehouse is what they kind of call their um, press events when they do them. And sometimes they're pre-recorded. This one they were doing live and pretty much all they talked about were um, new Pokemon titles and Zelda. So we'll talk about those later. All right. Which All one right. do you want to tackle next as far as the- uh, let, let's do Xbox, which I'm curious uh, your, your feelings on the Xbox. Yeah. presentation. The Xbox brief was something that they've done pretty much what they did in the past. And they had like, there's like a lot of screens and a big stage. The stage was very intricate. There were a bunch of like different pieces to the stage and different places to stand. The only thing I think is a little weird about their stage setup is that they put fans like, you know, they put a stage in the middle of the room. So people are like sitting behind them. Right. sometimes <laughs> like so like uh you know uh like phil spencer will come out and stand in the middle of the stage but then there are people that are like facing forward behind him and have yeah, like staring around. at his ass for like yeah. 20 minutes you know yeah and it's a little weird but i i understand what they're trying to do and i appreciate what they're trying to do is that they're trying to uh make it almost like a home team sports event where they invite fans to come uh like off the street and they give them you know they kind of like let them they make it an event for them like something really fun they get like swag bags and t-shirts and stuff and they um let them just kind of like be front and center and um what i think is really interesting is that you see a lot of people um from the xbox team it's like i feel like their briefings are very personal like you can put a face to who is working on things like like i know who phil spencer is and i know who mike ibarra is because he's always uh, you know, tweeting about games and I know who, uh, uh, Shannon Loftus is like, I know, like, I know who all these people are right? because those are the people that you see at the briefings. And they're also very vocal on, uh, social media too. So, um, I I felt, I felt like they did a good job this year. I felt like they definitely, their message was, was catering toward, you know, fans toward the gamer. I think they, they didn't say anything this year that really pissed people off. Yeah. Um, I feel like maybe some of their messaging was a little weird, which we can, I guess, dive into when we specifically talk about what was in this one. But yes. I felt like overall Microsoft did a pretty good job. Like I remember I was pretty jazzed. I, I think I liked all the titles that they showed and oh, there, was, absolutely. there was nothing in it that I was just like, oh man, I don't know about that. It was all like pretty cool. Yeah, so. I felt good about it. Um, maybe the one that I think like fell flat for a lot of people was uh, possibly the EA press event. And I'm just going to say it, man. Yeah. EA's was it was bad. It was, I think that was the first one that I watched and I remember messaging you guys. And normally we don't really speak negatively about this kind of stuff, but EA can handle a little bit of criticism by me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I just felt like this was so dry and like some of it went on for so long and it was just stuff that I just, you know, that obviously it was stuff that didn't appeal to me personally, but it was like, it was stuff that didn't appeal to me for an extended period of time where I was just like, okay, like, yeah. can we move on to something else? Well, I think that was Please. the thing is that like they, uh, where Bethesda did a bunch of great stuff and they, they kind of had like a tempo problem. EA, I think had a tempo and a pacing problem because they, you know, like you said, they devoted long stretches of time to certain things and then very, very tiny stretches of times to other things. Not right. only that, but they tried to do something different where they, um, they did a dual press conference. So they had one auditorium in LA where they would normally do their, their event. And then they had a different, uh, auditorium in London where they were doing, uh, they would kind of like flip flop back and forth. So somebody would walk on stage in LA and introduce a trailer and somebody would walk out on stage in London and then talk to like a football manager and 
Um, I understand why they would do that because they kind of make uh, international games. I think a game like FIFA probably has more, you know, it's very popular here. I'm not saying it's not, but I'm sure yeah. it has like orders of magnitude more appeal in Europe than it does here in the States. So I think that maybe that was their thinking in doing something like that. Right. And um, so that was the EA one. And then Ubisoft, what they did like, it was like two hours long, wasn't it? Ubisoft was really long and they, they had a couch this year and they brought a bunch of guests out and they did these like mini interviews. It was really different. Um, yeah. I think it, I think this one just from, you know, looking at the internet as it was happening was like pissing people off as it was happening just because people are very impatient. Like I, I, I'm old and, you know, aged and gray and, and I don't mind sitting down and listening to a dev talk on a couch for a few minutes. That doesn't bother me. I think that's interesting, but you got to understand like a lot of people watching these are like at work. Yeah. At work or they're 16 years old and like, you know, you know, know, on uppers. Yeah, (laughs) Monster energy drinks. Yeah. So it's like, you know, that kind of thing, five minutes of conversation to them is probably agonizing. So, yeah, I, um, I, I also, I agree with you. Like I thought, that the time they devoted to individual titles was fine. But overall, I just thought the presentation was too long. Like I was sitting there and I was like, okay, this must be over soon. They must be done. And then there was another hour and then like another 15 minutes, you know, and it was like, right. Uh, it just, it just took a very long time and it was weird. I was not disappointed. I was not mad, but it was just a very long presentation. And that was kind of strange. And I think, that sits in stark contrast to what Sony did. Do you want to kind of describe what they did, which was really interesting? Yeah. Sony's was uh, like an actual theatrical experience um, Mm -hmm. where there was very little talking, very few people on stage. I think they maybe had three people on stage through the entire thing. Yes. But it it opened up with a live orchestral, um, I guess, intro. Like a score. uh, Yeah. By By, uh, by Bear Bear Grylls. Or Bear, Bear McCreary. Bear McCreary. Yeah, sorry. Bear, Bear Girls is a survival guy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was like looking at one thing and thinking another thing. Yeah. Thinking of surviving out. In my mind, I had the right name. I had the guy's face in my brain and the right. w- wrong words came out. Yeah. So yeah, Bear McCreary had an orchestra there and uh, they opened with this really kind of like guttural, tribal, weird, punky, you know, orchestra score, which was awesome. And then mm-hmm. they played throughout the event uh, live, which was really neat. And it was basically just a bunch of uh, cinematics and trailers for their upcoming uh, stuff and like very little, like, you know, very little fanfare. There wasn't a guy coming out and be like, this is going to be an experience that will melt your soul. And then, yeah. you know, have him slink off stage and then have something pop up. There was very little of that. They just showed shit and then stopped and showed more shit, which I was like, okay, that yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I think all they had to do was just, they, they broke in the middle to bring out Hideo Kojima and everybody was right. like, yeah. And then he walked away and it was like back to trailer time, you know? Right. Right. Um, which, um, you know, and it all looked really cool. They had actual sets on stage. So they had like trees and different moving scenery and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was lit very well. And just, it was, <clears throat> it was really well put together. You could tell that like Sony was like, we're going to hire, you know, the best of the best to put this stage show together. So yeah. it um, was, it was it interesting was because in the past we have talked about how their people that they bring out are not necessarily like the most relatable people, you know? Right. Like, you know, we kind of, we kind of make fun of Phil cause he wears like the, the game shirt and the sport coat, you know, but, um, these guys come out in full suits and they kind of look like mobsters, like out of context, you know? Yes, absolutely. And it's weird 
I, you know, like I know people thought this was the best conference and I'm not necessarily debating that, but um, at the same time, it also makes them feel kind of faceless to me. Uh, Like, so, you know, like I was saying in comparison to the Microsoft one where like, I know who the people are. um, Sony only showed only, you know, aside from Hideo, like only brought out two people. Right. Right. Uh, I completely agree with that. There's something very cold and clinical about Sony to me mm-hmm. and just as a consumer, like I have nothing wrong with it. I own a PS4. Like I like Sony products, but there is something I, I can't, it's not something tangible. There's no reason why I feel this way really other than it's just the way that my soul feels when I play Sony stuff or I watch their presentations. I'm like, this is just always, it, it feels very, I don't know. It feels just like I'm not a part of it. Well, you know? I mean, you're, you're right. Like if you've ever, you know, if you've ever been to the mall, uh, and you know, like a Sony store in the mall feels very cold. Like it feels like you're, uh, walking into a museum where you can't touch anything. Right. Uh, in comparison to like the Microsoft store, or the Apple store where it's like an internet cafe and you can hang out and play Xbox and stuff like that. Do you and, guys think it's, it's in part that like Sony can only screw up really? Like they're already at the top right now. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I think, I think, uh, th- there may have been a little, arrogance built into the to the briefing um but like you said they're they're out in front so they can do whatever they want the other thing to keep in mind is that they do offer um the ability for fans to go to movie theaters to watch the presentation so i think it was smart to you know not put people on stage like on a you know a 40 foot uh movie theater screen because that's not why you go to the movies is to watch a guy talk you go to watch you know explosions and sounds and things like that so um, from that perspective, it was, it was smart, but like, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't Sony Sony feels cold to me and that's kind of weird. And it doesn't change my opinion of the system or whatever. I like, you know, uh, it's, it's just a difference in, in sort of the messaging, I think. And I, I just, that's why I wanted to talk about it. Cause you know, all the presentations were so different. Um, and I think that they're, these companies are trying to react to sort of a changing, changing world in the way that people get information and how like social opinions are sort of influencing uh, other people's opinions about how to think and feel about these uh, these IPs and games and studios and companies. So um, yeah, I just wanted to bring it up real quick. No, no, I thought that was you know good to actually talk about how they were structured because it's interesting. Like if you get a chance to watch these, just to see the different levels of production and sort of some of the older ones, um, not older ones, but some of the ones are sort of adhering to the older style of press conference where it's been the same for forever mm-hmm. and they haven't changed at all and then i think you know what sony did this year was maybe the dawn of you know a new era of what these press conferences are going to be like yeah and I, I mean like i think the other reason why i wanted to do this is that so we could try to separate the games from the presentation so that we right. don't like get wrapped up in the hype machine and uh you know like the other the other thing i think is weird about the the sony brief is that you know if you had gone on to youtube and watched all of these trailers back to back to back to back, the experience would have been similar, but would not have felt the same way because you were watching people in a theater with an orchestra and all this other stuff. And it's like, wow. So is, you know, is the next big thing in these press events is like, you know, not doing anything at all. <laughs> like they didn't, yeah. not, they didn't not do anything, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I hear you. Yeah. I just thought that was really, really fascinating as a, uh, a marketing 
uh, strategy for the E3 presser. But let's let's get into games because that's why people cool. are here. So let's get where, into where do you guys want to start? Uh, how do you want to do it? Do you want to just go? I think it's easy. I mean, we don't have to talk about all these on the list, um, but I think it would be easy just to go by easier to go by specific presser. So if we want to start okay. with like Microsoft wanna, or Sony, what or, do you want to do? Last to first, or you want to start with the cons, the the hardware makers, and then go down? Yeah, just roll down the list, you guys. All right, all right cool. well, let's start with Sony then. All right, let's start with Sony. So um, Sony actually opened up with a new God of War, which the internet instantly renamed Dad of War because <laughs> uh, it's a new God of War and actually it's going to take place in uh, – it, it's a completely different Kratos from what I understand. So they're kind of taking the character of Kratos and reimagining him for the new generation of hardware and now he's actually uh, in Norse mythology and not Greek and Roman so really weird. If you watch this intro and actually it was a live gameplay session, it like I'm kind of a God of War fan. I only played the first, I think, two, maybe three God of War games. Um, this one looks absolutely stunning. Like if you watch the, the, the new God of War footage, you'll probably be blown away by it. And uh, there's this relationship with his son, at least in the intro. Uh, which looks kind of cool. Like you're kind of teaching your son how to how to hunt and you know teaching him how to shoot a bow and arrow. And then of course you know I'm assuming the son will probably get eaten by a fucking goblin or something. But. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's yeah. no doubt about that. I mean, if you if you like games that put you in a third person action perspective in nature, boy, the next two years of gaming are really going to be very exciting for you because we saw this is a recurring theme. I think throughout all of E3. So yeah, God of War, um, like looks like it has more in common with Tomb Raider now than it does with the old God of War games. And I think that's awesome because that old style of gameplay is sort of antiquated at this point. And if they had come out and done, you know, health bars with, you know, super combos, like action combos and stuff like that. Um, I think people would have kind of rolled their eyes. And so the new, the new direction for the God of War franchise, I think is very exciting. And as a casual, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just a casual fan, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll get that. Like that, that looks like a ton of fun, and I want to play it. So, yeah, they um, kind of zoom the camera in a little bit, so it's almost uh, third person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of th- like a tight third person camera now, as opposed to you know a lot of the God of War stuff was almost I don't say side scrolly, but it was definitely like the camera view almost. Right? Like. Yeah, it was. It was you know zoomed back quite a bit. So yeah. I like the way this looks quite a bit. Yeah. That's cool. So wait, is it still QuickTime? Did I miss that, or is it? They no, moved. they didn't show. I mean, it looked like it was mostly. There were uh, finishers and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, but it didn't look quick timey. It looked like it was definitely timing based, but it wasn't like mashing buttons. It was like, right? Um, you know, you you do certain combos with your button presses, and then maybe like hit Y to finish, or not Y. That's that's Xbox, but yeah, yeah. triangle, um, triangle yeah. to finish. Yeah, <laughs> they did. Like there was a little sequence where um he was fighting some enemies uh in a clearing surrounded by some rocks and at one point he like smashed the guy up against the rocks and that was part of the part of the attack set so if they have sort of like contextual fighting like that would be super awesome to see in a game i think that'd be really fun yeah look really pretty yep Uh, Uh, here's one that i was i'm now like really excited about and mainly just because of who's making it but insomniac's making a spider-man game yeah Uh, come on (laughs) I well, didn't watch this at all, but yeah. am I really going to care about this game whatsoever? I think you the only are, reason you would you care are. is because it's Insomniac that's right. making it. So sure. it's like I, licensed games normally, like I have an allergic reaction to them. And when I heard Spider-Man game, I almost vomited. But then I saw it in motion 
and I saw who was making it and I was like, oh, this is a different animal completely. Like, I mean, these are the guys that made fucking Sunset Overdrive, which I loved. Yeah. So it's like you take that pedigree and you add it to the Spider-Man franchise and you get something I think that's going to be pretty cool. I I could definitely feel some like underlying similarities between the Spider-Man game and Sunset Overdrive. So I think if they were to sort of lean on some of that technology and some of the stuff they got right in Sunset Overdrive, then Spider-Man, yeah, could really be a pretty awesome game. So is it tied to the movie at all that they're, that's upcoming, or is this completely standalone? They're doing it off the comics. From what I understand, it's standalone. Uh, doesn't tie in with the upcoming film at all, and it's supposed to be Peter Parker um, later on as he is well-established. So he's been Spider-Man for a while in this. He's not like new kid Spider-Man. So we may be getting our like Arkham Knight version of the new superhero, essentially. It may be. We, All right. Very much so. I mean, okay. I'm telling. I know. I felt the same <laughs> way, man. Completely. I saw How many Spider-Man, Spider-Man games. Are there? Oh, Is there's like- uh, there's dozens of them. But <laughs> like, honestly, check out the gameplay of this, and you're going to be like, I think you're going to be surprised. Will do. Um. Did you guys? Did you see Days Gone, Scott? Yeah. They they closed with a new IP, and um, it refreshing. Yeah, I was kind of closed. The, right? Did they they closed with Days Gone? Didn't they? Uh, it, it might have been. It was near the end. I don't know. If near it was the end. Whatever. I mean, it's refreshing that they showed new IP. Right. Or... Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, it's a zombie game. <laughs> Is it a zombie right. game? Did well, they show zombies? Yeah. Did you not see that? I don't know. I was watching it like as I was feeding a child. Oh so. yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it was it was such a bummer because at first, like, it was a bummer for me personally because my expectation was, oh, this kind of looks like The Last of Us because there's a guy. Um, like a biker dude on a motorcycle and he's kind of traveling this, uh, not like a wasteland, but it looks like a, uh, you know, towns that may have had some overgrowth, um, in them kind of like dilapidated buildings and stuff like that. But it was very bright and colorful in the way that last of us was. And then all of a sudden he kind of goes into this barn or warehouse environment and then, you know, flood of zombies pours in. Oh, I missed the flood of zombies oh, part. I yeah. saw the nice, like I saw the thing. I literally thought it was going to be another last of us game and I got super excited. Oh, maybe, maybe that's what you missed. They, I think they opened early in the show, like a trailer of days gone. And then at the end they showed many minutes of gameplay of the game. And so that's the part that I missed. Yeah, yeah, okay. I saw that. So the main protagonist is Sam Witwer, uh, the actor, Sam Witwer, they kind of scanned him. Oh, so okay. like you're, you're playing as Sam Witwer, but you're like a biker in the post-apocalyptic landscape. It looks gorgeous. You're a bounty hunter, I think he said. Oh, uh, I didn't. I didn't catch a story. I was kind of just. Yeah, like, he said he's a bounty hunter in this like new fucked up land, but I did not see the zombies at yes, all. So, that's so a, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I would. What was that? I said, "There's the twist." Yeah, uh, I would say you know, in if you like, okay, let's say you are a fan of zombie games, right? I think that even if you were a fan of these games and you weren't tired of them, even this game like did not look promising in my opinion, because the guy, okay. So he goes into the warehouse and then like, he starts to see some shamblers or he like kills one before he goes into this barn or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I gotcha. And then the camera pans up and there's hundreds on the other side of this fence. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then he, he goes into this barn and then he starts getting chased. And, um, there's like one shot where he's starting to, to, to climb to some higher elevation and kind of get away. And they show like these like zombie people pouring in, but it almost looks like running water. Like it was like, it was that fast, you know? And they were kind of just like spilling in and like jumping over things. And it just looked, it looked like water. So it was kind of weird. Oh, weird. It's really weird. Um, the thing that was cool about it is that he was, 
um, using environmental attacks to slow down the zombies. He uses like closing gates and stuff like that. At one point he goes across like a bridge that's inside the barn and he kind of attacks a little bit. And then the weight of the zombies kind of collapse the bridge and some kind of fall and some get across. And, and so, you know, what, what was happening in the environment was cool, but the flood of zombies thing, you're just kind of like, eh, you know, yeah. like if so you had many zombies, yeah. like maybe, I don't know. Is there, is, is dead rising? Is that Xbox exclusive? Cause maybe this is like their answer oh, maybe. to that as an open world game. But, um, you know, the game up until that point looked really exciting and then the zombies showed up and I think everybody was like grown. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I, uh, I think it looks cool. I don't know. I guess I'm going to have to see like what the primary mechanics and such yeah. are all about before right. I get really excited. Right. But. So you you got to see some of that in the demo, but if you had gone to sleep right before the zombies showed up, you'd have gone to sleep thinking like, I'm buying that game day one. That's, that's kind of what I, yeah. yeah. The and then when those zombies came out, you're just like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm not entirely sick of zombie games either. I'm still, I'm still, you know, liking some of them. So, but yeah. Yeah. But it was just weird. You'll have to go, go back and watch and you decide, you decide. I will. Um, the next game is one that has no decision for me because I want it, uh, because Quantic Dream is one of my favorite studios. They made, uh, let's see, they did, um, the, the game with David Bowie, Omicron, Nomad Soul. Uh, I think they did Indigo Prophecy, Beyond, Beyond Two Souls, Souls. Heavy Rain. So they make these like, you know, very heavy narrative driven, um, experiences. The last couple games are almost like choose your own adventure kind of in the vein of, of like telltale with like quick time events and some investigative elements and things like that. And so their new game uh, is called Detroit become human, which I like to call Detroit almost human. (laughs) You guys, I don't know what that show is. Scott. You've never seen almost human. No, I know. I've never heard of it. Oh, that's what is it? That's really disappointing. I wish someone would have told us about this show. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, yeah. That's such a bummer. Anyways, <laughs> Detroit Become Human is appears to be um, sort of in the style of uh, Heavy Rain, where you're doing some detective work and there's some narrative choices. But you you live it's like a futuristic Detroit, and you are an android. And in the gameplay uh, trip clip or trailer that they showed, um, the android was negotiating or dealing with a situation in which another android uh, took a human hostage and was standing on the edge of a building, and um, I think the trailer was really awesome because it did a really good job of conveying to people that were not familiar with their games, how their games work. So they kind of went through different timelines of, uh, different iterations of what the conversation, the, the event would play out like based on the different decisions that you made and the things that you said to the, uh, the other person, um, and how everything unfolded. So what did you think? I mean, I'm, I'm like a super fan, so it's hard for no, me to I, be. I think it looked really cool. Look, obviously these guys kind of always, you know, really push the graphics too. And I think it looked really gorgeous. And you know, I think conceptually, I think it's just a, I think it's a really neat idea. And I really like that, you know, a lot of these games are going very, very techy. Like we're in this weird place oh, in the I'm world so happy, where, yeah. where, you know, androids and such are going to slowly become a reality. Like I just read this other thing the other day that, you know, Amazon's Alexa is going to start reading emotions and reacting to you accordingly, asking you if you're having an okay day because it can sense the tone in your voice. Oh, weird. That is like insane to me. And so we are, you know, games I think are reflecting this like rapid shift in technology as well. So I think it's cool. It's going to be like, uh, Ash, you seem upset. Would you like some pizza? (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then it'll order Domino's for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, all right. Uh, I think the best news about this game is that we'll still have Detroit in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope this is like a RoboCop crossover. I mean, it kind of looks like a, like sort of Blade Runner inspired, I think. Yeah. Uh, definitely there are some influences there, but it seems really cool. And I think that, um, again, to in a way that you need to explain a game as far as gameplay goes to people, I think this was probably one of the better trailers that really gave people a sense of what the game was all about and what you'd be doing. And I just thought it was cool how they, there are so many different permutations. I think maybe they showed five or six different ways you could uh, resolve the event in this game with the hostage situation, just in this trailer. And I thought that was really cool. I I agree. It's definitely on my radar. I think it looks pretty awesome. Yep. Uh, Let's talk about horizon. I'm really excited for this one too. This, I think may be the buzziest game at the show um that's that's surprising to me because this is the worst name i've ever it is a terrible name it (laughs) is a name that i literally my brain cannot remember it because it's another one of those damn names it's just like three fucking words it's like (laughs) like pizza shoe uh pizza shoe eyeball it's like (laughs) i think it's like it's actually horizon colon zero dawn it is not it is just horizon zero dawn but i mean i feel like there could be like a horizon uh pizza foot (laughs) <laughs> that would be the sequel. Anyway, so we do agree the name is terrible, but the game looks really fucking cool. Uh, really, it's a hard game to describe. From what I from what I saw and what I hear, it, it is kind of uh, if you mix something like Shadows of Mordor with um, like uh, like I guess there's crafting. And, I've heard like a Far Cry comparison, right? Like Far Cry and, and Mordor kind of mixed together. Uh, you get Horizon Zero Dawn. There's a female protagonist in this weird. It's definitely not Earth. It's another world, someplace where, like, all the animals are robots. From what I yeah, saw, yeah, looks like fantastical beasts. It reminds me of a game that I talked about a long time ago. It was an underrated game, but it was called Enslaved Odyssey to the West. Ah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Made remember by that. Uh, Ninja Theory. Yep. And it's kind of like it's very bright and colorful, and like you said, it's it's a world that's Earth-like, but maybe not necessarily Earth. You know, overgrowth, robot creatures, things like that. Uh, but the, obviously, this game is you know continuing the trend is an open-world game, like in a foresty environment, in a third-person action adventure uh, style. It's mm-hmm. a female protagonist that shoots a bow and arrow, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think she does Come much on, more dude. than that. They they showed some really cool, um, kind of like weird tech slash nature tech if that makes any sense right. um yeah, I saw her, like, just can't get a break though it's like okay we can put a female protagonist in but it's got to be katniss everdeen <laughs> yeah like, okay and then they just do that like it's all you can get yeah i think maybe she had like a staff or something you're you're right, right. though you're right i mean there it's, are a lot of bow wielding females these days but it, it does not back. it does not take away from her from her apparent badassery right um it was funny i was watching uh, this particular part of the conference with my wife and um, the the girl's hair looks like it's fire. And she, she took one look at the game and was like, where does she get her color done? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. That's a, that's a good point. She's got good hair. Yeah. Cause her hair has got like, you know, uh, it's like red at the top and blonde at the bottom. And she's like, you don't just get that. You don't just do that. Like where, where does she get her color? She's like, that's where she checked out. You like everything else she was on board with. Uh, like robot riding robot yeah. wildebeest and shit. Yeah, ro- robot creatures foraging, using right. the weapons, but the hair was like she's like I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> uh 
but anyway, the game looks stunning. I mean, it, I I couldn't really get a vibe for what it was about. Um, a lot of the people she was interacting with, the other NPCs, um, seemed like kind of slightly primitive. But she seemed like she was weird. It was using she was using technology, but wearing animal pelts. So it's in the, yes. definitely in a you know a fantastical sort of Mad Maxian sort of world. Right. Um, and there was a there was a dialogue wheel too. We should mention that. So there's oh, yeah. multiple dialogue choices. So dialogue it's not wheel. Just uh, fighting. It's choice making too. It looked a little. Uh, uh, and I'm not saying this a bad way, but it looked a little menu heavy. Like there were, um, you know, there was a radio wheel for different weapons and abilities and then a, you know, crafting interface. So it looks like the, the game, um, is going to have a lot of depth in terms of what you do in the environment, maybe in terms of crafting or scavenging or building or something like that. Many seems like there's going to be a lot of variety in the gameplay. So it's not just like, uh, go beat people with your staff or something. Cool. Yeah, it does yeah. look cool. Yep. Um, did was I right about them showing this one at this conference? Um, it says space game rip Halo rip COD whoops COD. What does this mean? <laughs> yeah. So I, I I can't remember if this was Sony or not, but they they uh one of at one of the press events, I think it was Sony. They opened with a trailer of uh like this super crazy futuristic space combat. Like it starts on this um you know space battleship and the the you know the the avatar kind of runs onto the ship and they go through this whole BSG launching procedure. Like you're getting fired out of the tube. Um, you, uh, go attack this enemy fleet and you dock and there's like the, the enemy ship has become space debris. And so you exit your ship and then you're in this zero gravity environment and you're shooting other enemies (laughs) and you have this, um, this grappling hook in your wrist and you're using it to, sort of like attach yourself to the surfaces so that you can fight against other enemies. And then when you detach, you kind of float away and um, you see that the character is using these like gravity bombs. So they, they eventually they get inside of the building. They use like a gravity bomb and people float up in the air and the, you see the first person, you know, shoot all the enemies down. And then they uh, ultimately, they overtake the bridge of the ship. They like breach it and overtake the hub of the ship and it's like yeah mission complete awesome and like you read in twitter and it's like what is this like halo rip halo oh cod's <laughs> dead oh this is awesome this is fucking badass and then at the end of the trailer it's like call of duty infinite warfare and everybody was like <laughs> you know like the internet like exploded people that don't the people that like fucking hate call of duty are like okay i'm on board like this yeah. is awesome i want this um, so I think mission accomplished for call of duty. They basically are creating a game that caters to people that are not call of duty fans, which is going to be crazy. Right. Is, but I think the thing is like, there's so many different versions that are available that people still play. Like, why not get new fans? Like people are still going to play, you know, modern warfare three and black ops and crap. And they play it every day anyway. So oh my like, God, they, them a new version Xbox, uh, Microsoft, added backwards compatibility for black ops one for the 360, you know, so you could play on the Xbox one. Right. I read uh, a stat from Amazon that sales of that game jumped 13,000% on that day. Wow. Uh, for people to play, you know, whatever that is at this point, a 10 year old game right? Uh, right. on their, on their brand new uh, system. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, that's super exciting. Like my hope is that uh, the game will deliver on the promise of the trailer, which is, um, you know, this is not going to be your traditional Call of Duty with all of the stuff that goes along with playing multiplayer shooters online. But 
if the single player campaign is uh robust and interesting as interesting as this trailer i think it's going to be something really awesome and worth checking out for people that are not necessarily call of duty fans and like i said it really did uh seem like it was sort of a mashup of call of duty and halo so that's it's kind of interesting yeah i I, i'm i'm on board too man i haven't picked up a call of duty game in a number of years but this might be the first one that i get just because it's very different yeah i mean check out the trailer and i think the thing that was really remarkable about the trailer is that a lot of people were sort of surprised by what it was because it was not very clear um at first what what game it was that they were seeing and so i think that was very smart on their part because um they probably identified that there is a stigma with those games and if you show the game first and then put the label on it 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 kind of changes your perspective and i think it worked awesome yep last on the list for sony is the last guardian well we missed there's two things missing in this list so we'll have to go back to them Oh yeah, well, I, what did I what did I miss? Oh, I'll tell you in a second. Okay, okay. We'll talk about. Well, let's last do Last Guardian, yeah. and then we'll go back to the ones I missed. This thing's not getting released in October. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! They finally put a release date October twenty sure. fifth yeah, of okay. this year. Is this is this like the fifth year of development on this game? What, what I are think we it on? It might be the tenth. It's. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It's somewhere between five and ten. It's it's kind of ridiculous. Um, at this point, the graphics don't even look good anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hate to be like mean and cynical because I know people are really excited about this. All I felt while watching this uh, presentation on The Last Guardian was that the game is designed to make me probably depressed. They showed multiple scenes of like this dog creature like crying and whimpering and like, you know, him petting it. And I'm just like, this is just the the dog thing is going to die in the end. You know, it is. And it's just going to be this big, long, depressing setup to like fake space dog death. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, did you ever play, uh, Ico or shadow of the Colossus, either of the two? No, no. Although yeah. I, yeah, I remember when you played them on the show. Yeah. I mean, these are sort of like, you know, deeply emotional kind of adventure puzzle experiences, like very, artistically driven and things like that so this is i i would not peg you for this game at all so um i don't i what's that calling you an idiot ash no i I just don't i just don't think it would appeal to you i don't think it's a game (laughs) no no you're right you don't know how to appreciate art (laughs) i'm not not i'm not sure it's a game that any of us would play but (laughs) i know that there are super diehard fans for this game so hopefully it comes out and they get to play it yeah. Hopefully it does. Um so the two games that we missed were the new game from Hideo Kojima which is called Death Stranding. It uh stars uh, a naked Norman Reedus. Ah uh, yes. I can't yeah. even begin to describe this trailer to you. And if you guys haven't seen it, uh it's weird. He um he's like wakes up naked on this beach, but it's like a creepy beach and he's dreaming or not dreaming. And he has a baby with like what looks like a mechanical umbilical cord attached to him. And then like the screen flashes and the baby disappeared and his hands are covered in this like black goo and he stands up (laughs) and he's got like what looks like a C-section scar on his stomach. And it's just fucking weird, man. Here's, here's my question about Kojima. Yeah. Is Kojima a weird guy or is he just like, like knows that people think he's a weird guy and he tries to be like the weirdest guy fucking possible. Cause that's just his shtick. Yeah. Like, I think, I think it's the latter because when you see him talking about the game, he just seems like, Hey, what's up? I'm back. He was like, he walked out on stage. He's like, I'm back. And everybody flipped out. 
And then uh, I don't know that he said much more than that. And he kind of just walked off stage and they played the trailer <laughs> and people like fucking flipped out. Yeah. And so like, he's like one of those people where it's like, you can do no wrong at this point until you do. So I just um, read like a recap of the game and it's like, here's some takeaways. And one of them is the game engine has not been decided yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. just, it's super. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. like, when is this game even coming out? Like 2019? <laughs> oh God. If we're yeah. lucky. Yeah. This is it just like a sketch that he did on a pad and they shot some some motion capture, right? And then just put this out, essentially? Yeah. It's all pre-rendered? Right. Amazing. Yeah, they, exactly. And, you know, before we talk about the last game, this is the other weird thing about the way Sony delivered their press conference is that you get pretty much a lot of what you have to do with their press conference all becomes headcanon because when you don't bring people out to talk about the games, you really get no sense of what the gameplay is or when the game is going to be released or what their right. vision for the game was. And it's really left to you yeah. to um, speculate about those things. So I think that's really, you know, while it made a big impact up front, I think in the coming weeks, we're going to be like, uh, wait a second. I, I was really excited about that game. Where, where is it? Like wow, wh- how, how, you know? Yeah. Um, so no questions were answered. Right. So the last game, Ash, and I think I even text you about this is that, um, they started with a trailer with like, you know, a phone rings and there's cockroaches and there's creepy stuff and, uh, super uh, creepy. And then oh, it was like, yeah, doy. yeah, it was like resident evil. You know, they didn't do that, but I did that for you. Um, yeah. Uh, but it's called resident evil seven biohazard. And, uh, and we're, we're probably not going to talk about this cause we don't really care too much about VR at this point. Um, they did go through a lot of VR games. They said this particular game was going to be playable from start to finish in VR. And um, they're going to, it's, it's supposedly going to be more creepy than, than gory in the previous games. Um, But a free demo is available for the game right now. Uh, I have feelings (laughs) about this, man. Yeah. Okay. I I honestly, I thought it was silent Hill, so I'll just start. Yeah. So my, my feelings are, you know, for listeners who've been listening for a long time, you probably know that I'm a huge resident evil fan, um, have been since the very first game. And, uh, while the franchise kind of, you know, it, it went all over the place. Uh, there's definitely something very special about the first handful of games, right? One, two, three, um, specifically, right. Mm -hmm. This to me isn't really a Resident Evil game. It's a it's sort of a Resident Evil game in name only. And the main reason I say that, um, I don't know much about what the plot of this is, just that it takes place in another small town, but it's a first person game. Mm, mm-hmm. You can't have a Resident Evil game that's a first person game. That's just like it Resident Evil games are third person, you know, puzzle games with combat. That's, that's, that's what they are. And you're that's right. Character, like sort of character driven. Cause people love those, uh, characters right. as an evil. Yep. Right. Right. So to me, that's really weird. And something tells me that we, we likely will not get, you know, any of the characters from the other games, which is fine. Like, you know, they're really old at this point, <laughs> you know, resident evil is like, yeah, I think at this point, nearly 20 years old, if not, if not 20 years old. Um, so, you know, I understand that some of those characters need to retire, but, uh, at the same time, it's like completely changing what this is and just making, you know, a, a first person, per, first person VR capable um, survival horror game. Uh, it feels a little weird to me. It might be really cool. I don't know. I just like it, it's going to be very strange to not 
you know, be mixing herbs and like, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and shooting down uh, liquors and stuff like that. Like it, that's just, I don't know. But again, I mean, you, like all we know is what we saw in the trailer again. Right. So, right there's more questions than answers at this point so maybe i mean there's a demo now you could probably answer this question very quickly like what right yeah yeah i'll probably play that in the next couple days hopefully So in what was already leaked and the leak was fairly accurate, if not 100% accurate is that they are doing a console hardware refresh called the Xbox one S and it is claimed to be 40% smaller. I think more importantly, there's an internal power supply. So you don't have to have that giant brick. Yeah, for real. Yeah. It's kind of Um, crazy. It comes for that alone. Yeah, I know. I've already pre-ordered one because I, I have a need for this in my living room because I have no room. Um, and okay, so you can get it in 500 gigabyte, uh, 1.5 or two terabytes of storage. Supports 4K out, uh, HDR. Supposedly, it is slightly more efficient than the the previous thing, right? Previous version. And then they uh, have a slightly redesigned controller, which has um, sort of rubberized grips in the hands, which is something I think they did with the Elite controller originally, and. Uh, I th- I think that's it. Oh, there's no there's no connect port on the back anymore. Yeah. So it's kind of like one, right? yeah, it's like the nail in the coffin for the connect sadly. And something that the connect did was I believe that the connect um had the IR blaster built into it. So if you were using your Xbox to control your uh to control your cable box or your TV or your home theater um setup, uh the IR blaster is now actually built right into the uh console itself. So um, and, and they're also going to add the ability for you to use Cortana, which is coming soon to, um, Xbox one with a headset. So pretty much all of the functionality of the connect, um, other than the camera Wait. is being distributed elsewhere, which is kind of sad, you but to use for voice control, you'd have to have a headset on. Yeah. If you, so like, so if you don't have a connect and you bought this console, you would need to use, uh, uh Cortana for your voice commands with your headset. Um, optionally, they are going to offer a program for um current connect owners that already have an xbox one they're going to give you a um, free adapter so that you can plug it into a usb port but you will then need to um, power it externally with another plug another outlet in your house that's a bummer mm. man I yeah don't know. so it's yeah. kind of sad to see the um connect going away but the new console is exciting for me i mean i personally uh would prefer to have that instead of the um the van that's like parked on my uh, table next to my TV right now. So that's... Oh, it's, it's, I mean, the current Xbox one is a fucking monstrosity. Oh, also, happens. yeah, for real vertical stand. So even smaller footprint for the new Xbox one S. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you think, do you guys think that they should have just like taken the cost hit on the connect and just sold it basically for free with the Xbox? You know what I mean? Like the price drops and stuff all affected the non connect Xboxes. Yes. Right essentially. So if they had sold, if they had just done the same price drop, but left the connect in it, they would have gotten greater adoption and been able to maybe to 
Oh, basically, I don't know, just, it's just such a bummer. Just like, gave yeah. it away. Just be like, here, yeah. every every system has a connect. Like, enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think the main problem with connect is that no one wanted to dev for it. Like, you needed, you know, all the dev teams needed to dedicate a handful of people to implement connect features, and that's really expensive, and it takes a really long amount of time. And you know, it, it, I think in the right hands, it can do wonderful things. But if you have an inexperienced dev team that's used to programming a certain way. Uh, then you give them this new technology and they don't want to spend six months of dev time making a hand waggle work correctly. You know, that's yeah, true. I, mean, I, I get it for gaming was a failure, but at, Microsoft also heavily wants to be your media box in the living room. And it's like, a, a you know, waving success as far as like being the controller of my media center, like being able to talk to my Xbox, have it turn on my TV, navigate through, you know, shows that are on, go to Hulu and Netflix and move around like some of the apps don't implement it super well. Hulu, Very true. Mainly. Yep. But like it as a, it as a device on my Xbox that made my life easier was like definitely a thing. You oh, totally. I mean? You could be like in the k- kitchen cooking and be, you know, say something like, Hey, uh, Xbox go to Netflix and then yeah. pull up a show and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to like yeah. get away yeah. from what you're doing. That was super convenient, sort of convenient when you have like a, a kid in the house too. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, what I, what I can say, unfortunately, and I think I said this previously, is that right now Cortana is in preview. It's just in preview, right? But it is slower to process your input, which I don't understand what they're doing right. with that. Like, I really hope they maybe separate some of the. Well, the Connect uh, has built-in processing as well. Yeah, but I and think it, it doesn't, doesn't it take like a dedicated ten percent of the system's yeah, memory that's, as well? That's the rumor too. So maybe just like by default, not including the Connect. Uh, sensor port um, speeds up, you know, will speed up the performance of the system anyways. So, right. uh, yeah. It's just but, weird because if you look, I'm sorry to keep hammering this, but like if you look at every other TV connected device other than PlayStation, mm-hmm. they are all going towards voice control. Like, yes, there's Siri control on the Apple TV remote. There's Amazon control on the remote. There's uh, Roku control on the remote, like through voice. And all of that stuff, is like where they're trying to get to, and Xbox was like there. You know yeah. what I mean? I, oh, I, I agree. It's just weird that they didn't include it in some like, like oh, there's a microphone built into the Xbox now that'll just be your Connect. Yeah, you know, that would have made sense. Maybe they'll release a new version of the media remote with a microphone built into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's just very odd to like be going towards Cortana and all this other stuff, and then remove the thing that was your ready voice input. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, unless it's going to become your phone. But again, you know, if they put it into the phone, then you still have to pick up something to activate the device. Where with yeah, and also Xbox app is not my go-to app on my phone like i'm not i'm rarely on that thing oh yeah i mean i look at it constantly but um i i totally you're, get that it's not like a, a high, special guy scott not a high volume app for most people <laughs> i would assume unless unless you're an achievement hunter right so um the other thing that they announced which i i actually think is really cool but if not a little pricey is they're offering the ability to um create your own custom controller as far as the color goes of the controller it's huh. pretty neat. Yeah. It's pretty neat. So you can do all the buttons. You can do what the pads look like and uh, the thumbsticks. And you can actually get it engraved with your name if you want or your yeah. gamer tag. So I'm assuming they're pretty fucking expensive. Yeah. The, the controller is uh, – customizing controller is $80 and then engraving is $10 more. Okay. So you can get an $80 custom. That's pretty neat. Yeah. $80 custom. The only problem with that is that the Elite controller is 150 So – if you engrave it, you're almost pushing into the territory of buying yeah. like the premium controller. Yeah. 
which is kind of weird. But again, it's super cool. It would make an awesome gift, you know, to make a custom controller. Yeah. Um, if you're an enthusiast and you just want to have something that has your name on it, like that's super awesome too. And you can go, it's, um, it's called like Xbox design lab. So you can go to their website and just play around with the tools and like design some controllers and see what other people in the community have made. Uh, even if you don't purchase, it's still, um, fun to look at. I built one for myself, but I didn't buy it yet, but it's cool. Nice. Um, big game for Microsoft, obviously gears of war four. They had a uh, live, live gameplay on stage showing a bit of the campaign. Uh, big things from that. They did reveal that horde mode would be back and something cool, uh, they're actually allowing cross-play between Windows 10 and Xbox One. And if you actually purchase on Xbox One, you get a copy for Windows 10 as well. And your saves transfer, so your saves go live to the cloud, so you can jump back and forth from your PC to your Xbox. And you can actually play co-op between the two with your friends. Did um, they talk about that being like a big push this year that they yes. want to get? That's a big yes. thing that they want to do, which I think is really cool. Um, you know, mainly for streaming purposes, the fact that you can, you know, jump on your PC. And I, I mean, you can stream from your console as well, but a lot of people have, you know, better streaming setups on their PC. So it'll be cool to be able to just buy one copy of the game and have that save file transfer. But this stuff. is something they tested with um, Quantum Break. But really something, one of the major themes for the whole press conference is that they really wanted to focus on community and bringing players together on different uh, platforms. And something that, you know, when we get into Scorpio later, something that they're really kind of emphasizing now is that the hardware that you are on is simply a portal to the platform. So, and they've emphasized many times in the presentation, like, uh, no one is going to be left behind based on, you know, what hardware you have or what you're using. So... Uh, when they were announcing a lot of these newer titles, especially the first party titles, um, everything was, um, I can't remember the word they use play anywhere, I think is what they called it. Right. Um, so pretty much all of these games are, you know, if you buy the digital copy, you're going to get a version that works on your Xbox as well as windows 10. And it seems like those two things are ultimately going to be the same thing functionally, you know, in the near future. Makes sense. Yeah. So, what do you think of Gears of War? Like, the, I thought the, I'm really excited. The piece man, they showed was really great. I think it's. I think it's cool. They, you know, there's actually a lot of new physics, a lot of new weather that they showed off. Uh, the mm-hmm. lighting is gorgeous. Um, you know, I think it looked so much nicer than that beta that they put out a little while ago. Yeah. That I don't know why they did that. That kind of left a, a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth, just because it was still, you know, very early. I mean, they should have at least called it an alpha. Um, yeah. Could we, but, could we also call this game Dads of War, just like the other one? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they showed a salty old Marcus Phoenix show up at the end because um, you're playing as his son this time. And, you know, I think it's going to be great. I think Horde Mode, I can't wait to get in there with you guys and just play the ever-living shit out of Horde Mode again. So much and, fun. Yeah, they showed off some new weapons and a lot of new monster types and uh, some of the more scripted sequences uh, in combat in the uh, campaign, which looked neat, like using an old... Um, war era catapult and stuff like that. So, you know, I think it's going to be great. I just hope the campaign is, is beefy and not just, you know, five hours. I hope it's like yeah, 10, yeah. 10 to 15 like hours syndrome kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, the old gears games were long. Like yeah. if you sit down and play gears of war, it, it is a good, you know, 10 hour game. So, so anyway, that looked great. And, uh, next up is one that I'm surprisingly. Dude. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm sold. I'm on board with you. Okay, I'm yeah. so fucking yeah. into this, man. Yeah, I, I, sea, sea of Thieves 
looks like so much fun. And I think they did something very brilliant um, when they showed this off. And it was it was other places as well, but they actually got a bunch of real people together, uh, a bunch of YouTubers. I think they play. were contest winners. Oh, were they contest winners? Yeah, because okay. uh, Rare did a a fan contest to be one of the, among the first people to play Sea of Thieves, and so I don't know if those were those people, but I would assume that they were. Okay, well, either yeah. way, it was great because you had real enthusiastic people playing the game. None of it was scripted, uh, and Sea of Thieves is a a pirate simulator where you get in a ship and everyone does something different on the ship. So a person steers, and you can have people making food in the in the you know in the belly of the ship, and people bailing the ship out and people lifting the sails and a captain telling people what to do. And then you sail around and go on pirate adventures. I was going to say, I still have no idea what you actually do in this game, but (laughs) watching people play it actually seems like fun. It does. Because there's a point where they, you know, they're kind of running around on an island looking for treasure together and another ship shows up and everybody is just freaking out. So they're all swimming back to the ship and trying to get on board in time before the other, the other vessel fires on them. And then they get in this big naval, naval battle with another crew of, you know, live players, uh, and their it's, ship I mean, gets it's, sunk it's, and they're swimming around. Yeah. I'm like, that just looks like so much fun to it's, me. And it's a rare game. So it's going to be like silly fun. You know, it's right. I, right. I'm not, I'm not worried about this game at all. And I do want to play it now. So I hope, I hope there's like a beta or something that we can check out. Like that'd be super fun. So yeah, yeah, I'm definitely down. You know, I, I wasn't totally sold on this. I think it was kind of, uh, I want to say it was last year. They mentioned it. But now, you know, we're actually seeing it in motion and it's very pretty as well. If you haven't taken a look at the trailers yet, it, it's kind of cartoony, but at the same time, like, you know, it's definitely taking advantage of uh, current gen hardware and, and shaders and all that fun stuff. So it looks nice. looks like it functions very well. I don't know how fun it'll be to be like the guy that has to like raise the anchor every time. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- what they did was they were just, they, what do they, you do? I screw up the dishes. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, they prefaced it by saying, uh, we didn't tell these people how to play the game or what to do. We just let them loose. And so they're just walking around the ship. They're like, yep. Oh, we got a sail. Oh, okay. We got the anchor. Uh, I guess we're moving now. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. There was a great scene where the, the captain is like, Oh man, the, the, the sail is in my vision. You guys have to tell me where to steer. Cause I guess when you're in the captain's seat, you're, that's oh, right. there on the bow so he's looking at the sail and so he actually had the other players through voice comms actually be like yeah go left go right nice. so you don't hit any you know barriers or anything like that cool. so see if these look really fun man i'm like i'm i'm on board i'm stoked do you want to talk about any of these uh other ones before we uh real quick dead rising 4 is coming out we talked about that actually on our pre-show no new information on that other than it's coming out and frank west is back in it and the other one that uh since i'll mention it briefly because i was a big fan of the first one is uh, State of Decay 2 is mm-hmm. coming out and yep. it's going to have co-op. I was a huge fan of the first State of Decay. It did weird base building and resource gathering and survival all done in real time. So where when you walked away from the game, your characters had to like figure out how to survive when you were gone, uh, which was an insane mechanic. So you'd like leave for 10 hours <laughs> and 10 hours had passed in the game. And one of them may have gotten you know bitten by a zombie or something while you were away. So it's it crazy. was uh, terrifying. It was very terrifying. It made me like not want to leave my house at all because yeah. I was like, "What happened to like you know Bobby Sue? Is she okay?" It does uh, look good though. Yeah, State of Decay Two looks mm. really. And uh, Halo Wars Two is coming out. Never was a big fan of the first one, but there's another one. Yep. And then uh, they closed out with Xbox Scorpio. Yes. Which there's there's the no name? information. Yeah, well, there's very little information, right? So I guess the big thing about Scorpio is um, I guess we should ask, like, well, well why does it exist? <laughs> I think it exists uh, for VR, 
Honestly, I, I think part of it's for VR. And I think uh, part of it is, you know, something we kind of talked about over Slack is Microsoft trying to change the way that console generations operate. Well, I don't think it's just Microsoft at this point. You know, I think Sony too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I don't, per- my personal opinion is I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It sucks in a lot of ways for consumers because generations, and I'm using finger quotes here, are going to be much shorter. But I think the quality of software is going to be more akin to what PC players are used to. Because PC players are used to upgrading every few years. I think what um, it really boils down to is how closely they hold this promise of like no one being left behind. You know what I mean? Well, that's marketing speak. I don't think yeah. that's real at all. I don't think that's real. I don't, th- I don't think that's a fact. That's I mean, a tricky I thing. Two, I have two big questions here. Yeah, one go ahead. Comes, one of them comes from my, my consumer hat. And the other one comes from my engineer hat. Right? Okay. So the consumer hat one is the one you guys were just mentioning, which is like, well, what happens to casual people like me who don't really feel the the quality burn as much as you know other people do? I was never a PC guy, or I hadn't been a PC guy for years, so it wasn't like I was never at the the forefront of whatever graphics might be, or or whatever might be capable in in you know world building and all that kind of stuff. Um. So, you know, they talk a big marketing speak about no one being left behind, and maybe that ends up happening. I just find it highly unlikely that developers and engineers are, are going to be kind of prone to moving towards the latest and greatest, and maybe they'll turn some dials to make sure it works yep. X amount of generations back, but eventually things are just going to drop support. And yeah. this might not be the look of this generation or the next generation. I might be talking five generations out. It just feels like what they're doing is shortening the cycle, like Ash said. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And I think the only precedent that we have as far as gaming goes in my mind is the the transition to the new 3ds right so right 3ds came out the uh xl i think or maybe the original 3ds came out and then they did a hardware refresh with um the 3ds uh xl which was like okay cool it's just a streamline you know different form factor and then with some ergonomic improvements and stuff like that and then they released the new 3ds right which had like an extra thumbstick and some extra processing power like improved much improved processing power and then they released two games that only worked on the new 3ds and then another game hyrule warriors which was advertised to work on both but people said that like it did not work on right. the, you know the current gen uh system like you had to have a new 3ds to play it so right um, I am fearful that we are going in that direction. I, I don't know what the sell is going to be for this. Like, especially if I get an Xbox one slim, I feel like, you know, it, whenever this comes out, maybe next holiday, like I might be deciding to, you know, whether I'm going to buy this or buy nothing or buy right. an NX or buy like someone's old used PlayStation four to go play some right. of those games while those right. people are upgrading right. to the Neo. Right. So, right. My follow-up, like with my engineer hat on, is like how th- there's a there's an inherent level of trust that you then have to have in Microsoft's ability to maintain this unified platform. Yep. For developers to build on, right? Agreed. Like, I don't know. I'm not a, a PC developer. Um, I can speak from like other platforms that both Microsoft and/or Google or Apple have all supported, and mm-hmm. I don't feel like that's that's always the big speak and it's rarely the reality. Yeah. Like, Mike, Microsoft sort of at a high, higher level is moving towards a universal app model. So they want you to be able to build an app 
that works on Windows Phone, that works on Windows 10, and then will eventually work on your Xbox too when they let apps come to Which is, to the Xbox. And that's great for the consumer. It's a nightmare for the engineers. Yeah. Like you start dealing with unknown form factors, you deal with different input systems. Like this is it's like it's not a simple process and it's rarely one to one. There's usually a lot of back end movement that has to happen for this stuff to work. Mm. So it's just I it worries me because it, it the thing I was saying in Slack a bunch to you guys was it feels like the iPhoneification of console gaming, which is right. how can we get these people to turn over consoles quicker? Oh, well, what if we do what are essentially minor upgrades inside of hardware, but they're significant enough that engineers will start moving towards the latest and greatest and people will slowly get left behind. Yeah, you know what right. I, mean? I think at this point it's too early to say just because yeah. there's no yeah. information about those systems, but we know that, you know, VR is on the horizon, you know, HoloLens yeah. is on the horizon. So uh, a lot of it might be geared towards that, but... And maybe that's the push. Maybe yeah. they're just like, well, right. we can't do these new hardware platform or new hardware accessories, I guess is the best way to word yeah. them. And with, VR, VR is of... plagued with its own problems, and we're not going to get into them here. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I'm, I'm in a different camp than Scott. You guys are well aware that I'm in the market for a new Xbox One. Um, you know, it's not like a dire something that's dire, but I've had a disc stuck in my drive for like two years. <laughs> yeah, Edge of Tomorrow, right? I've been the Edge of Tomorrow, and I've been waiting for something to drop that so I can either get my disc out or you know get a new system. But um, so I'm, I, I'm actually going to skip the Slim and upgrade to the Scorpio at cool. the end of 2017. Right on. Mainly because, you know, I I I think having that, you know, equivalent to the GTX 1070, the nice kicking graphics card in there is going to be really neat. Um I think, you know, once games and they've already said, you know, like the new gears coming out, they are putting in uh, they're they're basically building it so that it can take advantage of the Scorpio. Yeah. And I think, you know, games that are coming out you know, from probably mid 2017 on, we'll probably make considerations for this new hardware, at least at first party for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't know about you know well, a lot of third I mean, party stuff. Honest, honest question then. Like, let's say it costs six hundred dollars, right? Right. Which I think is probably bare minimum what it will cost. But uh, let's say it costs that because they're going to have to somehow separate it price wise from the from the S, right? Right. Yeah. Um, what happens like doomsday speak what happens in 2019 when the xbox nitro comes out and that's 700 dollars, and then that one's got a better graphics card in it and more memory i think you know it what just, I, mean? like, I think it boils down to your personal preference you know what i'm just gonna have to like make a call it just seems like a weird it just feels like they're gonna they're gonna do what like what's a good comparison like Android where there's like a billion different flavors out there and how do they manage which one has which? Well, I feel like, I mean, for me, the analog is more like a graphics card in my PC. And I think the thing that really drives me to buy new graphics cards are games for, you know, so like maybe I'll, I'll write out the one that I have for a really long time. I don't, I don't turn it, I I don't turn it around every year or two years, but maybe, you know, something comes out like Witcher and I go, okay, now I'm going to go buy a new one. So I think that for a lot of people, it might be, you know, on the killer app model to determine whether or not you buy the new one. And maybe I'm still riding my Xbox one out until, you know, 2019. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I I get what you're saying. It's just, it just feels from, from my consumer perspective, it feels weird. I'm like, Oh, I see what, like the, my crystal ball sees what they're trying to do. And it's like, it's just weird to see it start shortening like this. Yeah. It it feels like it's just going to accelerate at a quicker clip over time. Like once people are comfortable with it, Oh, well then we'll try a three year release. Yep. You also have to keep in mind like the development cycle on these games is typically like two, three years, if yeah. not longer. So it's going to be really like 
unless you have a really nice head start, like I'm sure you know the coalition did with Gears of War, there's nobody that is going to be like with games that are coming out like between now and the end of 2017. You know, maybe a couple games will take advantage of this just because. Sure. How how would they know that this hardware even existed? You I know. know. What I mean? Yeah, sure. it's going to be sure. weird. We'll have to wait yeah. and see. We'll know yeah. no yeah. next year. We'll know more. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, do you guys like? hyper realistic agents with super super duper fighting and hacking abilities and open world environments i absolutely do all right well then we can talk all about ubisoft because that's that's what they got ubisoft (laughs) yeah Um, what's (laughs) what is the difference between ghost recon wildlands and the division and watchdogs i mean like they 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 do what they do right they make like really uh, super polished, like open world environments. They really right. nail animations and character movement. Um, but uh, there's, I, I kind of got like a little samey same feeling from some of this stuff. Yeah. You know, I was actually listening to another show um, and they, they touched on something that I hadn't really, really realized is that Ubisoft has like the Ubisoft formula. Yes. they And do. it's like you put like, you could basically get like a fucking clown simulator and make it an open world clown simulator where you just like collect shit and like go on occasional missions and it's just super polished and the animation's beautiful, yeah. like you said. But in the end, you're like, oh, like this could have been Assassin's Creed. It could have been what the yeah. fuck ever. And I, I don't think um, there's, there's, I'm I'm not opposed to that because I like the games that they make, but it's just weird, right? Right. right. Oh, and if there if there was a clown game, it would work like this. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm I'm gonna honk my horn. Okay, and then you go you go around on the unicycle, and then okay, here we go. Let's go. Okay, I'm on two tangos down. Two tangos down. <laughs> Quick, fire yourself out of the rocket. Fire yourself out of the rocket. Here we go. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna get Are in the, the tangos Jeep. like toddlers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we put pies on two tangos. Let's go. Yeah. Hey, whiskey foxtrot. We got two toddlers on our six. Yeah, <laughs> copy that. I'm moving in. I'm oh, moving no. in with balloon animals. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, so I can't believe they're still doing demos like that. It blows yeah, my mind. We're kind of making fun of the Ghost Recon Wildlands uh, like 20 minute demo. It was like the division did. demo. Yeah, we're, they had a lot of canned, I guess, actors doing the different parts of the players. Everything was inc- incredibly scripted. I think, and I totally I think get Destiny what did that to originally, do. too. But it is like the people are speaking in a way that nobody speaks online. And it's hilarious. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But guys, there's, there's only one important game in this list. Yeah, there is. It's, it's South Park, right? Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about that. Okay, let's talk about South Park. Yeah. Did the graphics look amazing? Were they cutting edge? <laughs> it again, it, it totally looks like an episode of South Park. It, I Am don't I understand need the Scorpio to run this thing. You don't. I don't understand <laughs> how they do this, how they pulled this off because the first game, if you sat there with no HUD, it would look like you were watching the TV show and it's crazy how that works. I love it. Oh, this it's looks so good. Absolutely hilarious. And it's a total send up of Marvel, like all superhero movies. It's, com- it's completely awesome. Yeah. yeah, they do some some good poking fun of the Marvel films. Um, they showed off some neat uh, combat. They improved combat, I guess, make it more fluid. Yeah, they, the the combat is uh, time and space is what they said. So now, instead of doing the um, you know the old RPG model of like you guys are just kind of standing in your positions, you do your combat moves. Now there's like a grid where you, the combat takes place, and you can. Uh, move around the grid you can push people you can pull them to you you can use the environment for cover you can use the environment as you know part of your attack mechanism um so it looks like they've added a just like a bunch of new stuff to the combat because they know that the old one was like kind of meh yeah yeah um this looks super fun man like i i'm i'm 
I'm all about it. I love the humor. I think it's great. It's more of the same. The basically the setup is that, um, you know, the original South Park Stick of Truth I think took course, or you know, over the span of like one or two days, maybe one day, uh, or maybe it was like three days or something. But it, anyways, this the the fractured butt hole takes place uh the day after so you know after the stick of truth you become the king at the end of the game and now uh the next day the kids are playing superheroes and so they decide that you're a douchebag again because you're not like you're the king and no one gives a shit about that anymore so um now they're playing superheroes and uh it kind of kicks off the uh the the fractured butthole so like there are events that lead to uh civil war but they can't can't call it civil war so they call it uh f- the the fractured but whole gotcha and that's gotcha. kind of the setup for the game and the trailer is is hilarious as you would expect and i noticed that um they are obviously they're going to incorporate things from the show but it looks like between the two games there have been two seasons of the show so they have two seasons of material to put into this new game and the last two seasons were pretty crazy awesome awesome yeah. That's coming this year, December 6th, you wrote there. Fantastic. Yeah. Good times. Um, um, I think last thing we're really going to talk about on this list, at least for just a minute, is For Honor. Sure. Which is something that I was not remotely excited about until I actually saw, saw it um, being played. And For Honor is a multiplayer, and I guess there's a single single player campaign as well. It is a, a, I guess, a siege and combat simulator where you take on the role of either a Viking, a samurai, or a European-style knight. Um, what I did not know is that For Honor takes place in a fantastical world. I originally thought it was like, um, you know, like real life, like, you know, like a lot of Ubisoft stuff yeah. borrows from history. But this takes place after there <clears throat> is some sort of uh, apocalypse that occurs Um and since all these guys are existing at the same time, it looks like it's like right around, right around the year 1200, some sort of apocalypse uh, occurs and uh, Viking samurai and European knights, um, you know, smash into each other and uh, have this, this crazy combat. And it looks like you and a squad of, um, you know, your knights or samurai will face off against other squads in giant melee combat. And there's also, um, AI NPCs for these, you know, massive dynasty warriors esque battles. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks really cool. It looks like it's kind of timing based, very similar to like Assassin's Creed combat. Maybe like a so rock, you, paper, scissors for like one on one combat. Right, right. Yeah. So if you think about, you know, what combat's like in Assassin's Creed and imagine doing that with a bunch of your friends, that could actually be very, very cool. And it does look like there's various classes within each um faction as well so i i am i am cautiously optimistic about this game but at times to me it really just looks like this entire game was built off of someone like two guys or two people sitting at lunch together one day and they were like you know what man it'd be cool if like vikings were fighting like samurai and oh and then like knights jumped in and they were fighting too and it was like ting 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 and then like a an executive walked by and they're like Watkins spin up a team because we're making that right now here we go <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah yeah wasn't uh, there a game wasn't there a fighting game where you it was like a one-on-one like street fighter style fighting game where you could be like a ninja or a viking or something it was not it was good, terrible right? it was yeah. like a one-star game that got put out yeah i i know i think it was based on like a show on the history channel where they were yeah. doing like um you know ancient warriors or something like that right that's like um, all i can think about from for honor but that being but. said like you know the gameplay like ash said the gameplay does look really fascinating and the trailer they showed off 
uh, was this like entire sequence of a, of a siege and a battle and, you know, battles against multiple people and battles against like single, single enemies. So like that concept seems really cool. It's just the story that is kind of weird to me, but I'm willing to try it. Yeah. Uh, you can sign up for the alpha right now and, you know, subsequently the beta. So, um, you can, you can be involved before it comes out and see what it's all about. It was deadliest warrior. That's oh, Deadliest one. Warrior. Yeah. <laughs> Based on the show, that's right. Um, so anyways, the other games were uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands, Watch Dogs 2. Um, there was an announcement of Division uh, expansion. And then for Star Trek fans, they did like a demo for Star Trek Bridge Crew, which basically looked like a mashup between... Uh, uh let's what see. is that game uh space team yeah space like team. if you imagine what <laughs> it would be like to play space team in vr like that's kind of what star trek bridge crew is yeah just a sweaty um, mess y- yeah so up. i don't i don't know i mean if you're a star trek fan i guess that's that's the it's appeal. like star trek fans are basically like getting bodily fluids all over themselves yeah <laughs> so i think it's worth mentioning just because but then you know they showed a screenshot and it's like you sitting in front of a panel with like a virtual lcd panel with buttons and you're just like I mean, like virtual reality you push the button and like slide up the slider and uh I'm, I'm not i'm not trying to mock it i'm just saying like that's maybe, what it looked like no it was maybe it was as a star trek fan that's exciting yeah right. yeah you're on the bridge yeah exactly yeah look it looked fun they got a bunch of um star trek alumni actors in there to play um and you know play a couple rounds like lavar burton was there lavar burton yeah. was playing the engineer you know yeah Good times. Yeah, good times. And then the only other thing about Watch, Watch Dogs 2 is that it kind of looks like Sunset Overdrive. Yeah, it looks like it's definitely lightened in tone compared yeah. to the first one, which was yeah. super, right. super grumbly. Yeah, so it's a different vibe, but seems to be a similar similar game. Looks fun, though. Yeah. Cool. Let's move on to EA. All right. So uh, um, Titanfall 2. Yeah, looks great. Uh, full campaign on display, sort of a relationship between a pilot and his mech. So there was like a, like a, a love affair going on. Yep. Cool. So we'll get a full narrative campaign there. Um, they they do like a, they did a little like th- three laws with, with the uh, mech suit. So yeah, like some, save the pilot. What was the other one? I don't uh, even remember. It was like, you know, complete the mission, protect the pilot, stuff like that. So yeah, cool. uh, that seemed pretty interesting. Order the pizza, order the pizza, yeah. hack the planet. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I anyway, broke the it, dam. Look, it looks gorgeous. Um, everything that people complained about with Titanfall one lack of progression, you know, lack of depth, they seem to really be hammering away that they fixed all that. And there's a whole lot to do. There's a lot of customization. There's more Titans this time. There's more weapons this time. There's more modes this time. You know, there's more unlocks, more guns, just more everything. Um, there, and, there uh, is a zip line. How do you, I have a, I don't know that I like the zip line. How do you feel about it? Oh, there's like a grappling hook and zip line. Yeah, yeah. They showed a a piece where like a guy was running along the ground, like an operator pilot, and then they shoot the you know Assassin's Creed Batman zip line thing, kind of pull right. themselves up to the building. And I, I I thought that was weird, only because a lot of the original game was based on your ability to free run and how cool it was to be able to do that. Right. Something tells me that that is going to be, um, like a perk of uh, a certain kit. Oh, right? okay. So I don't, I don't think everybody's going to have it. Okay, that'd be cool. Be I'd be cool with choose. that. If everybody has it, it you're right. It's going to be fucking madness. It's going to be like everyone's going to be Bruce Wayne zipping around. Plus, everyone good. will just uh, take to the rooftops and start sniping, and it'll be it'll be a mess. Like part of the fun was chasing somebody around, like on right. you know, like while wall running, you chasing after somebody, and that was the fun part of right. it. So I hope that's still kind of there in the game. But obviously, right. like it looks great. 
It looks great. It's uh, also coming to PS4 now, which is a big deal for PS4 folks because it was an Xbox exclusive and it's not yep. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Battlefield 1, good God, have mercy on everyone on the planet. This I mean, is looking spectacular. I know it's just a trailer, but I cannot get enough of seeing a Zeppelin uh, crash into a village and see it like just explode in the buildings, like crumble and there's debris. Um, it is just crazy looking. Well, that's the thing. Like they said, you know, because it's the frostbite engine, they have these massive destructible environments and sometimes the battlefield matches will last a long time. And so you'll start off in a village by the time, you know, the, the chaos is over, the village could be leveled and that is nuts. And that is very like, you know, that's really reminiscent of what war was like, especially world war one with all the artillery they used, you know, places were absolutely obliterated and wiped off the map. So I think that's going to be pretty spectacular. They went into detail about how they have a very, in all, all people talk about dynamic weather systems these days. But um, when they were talking about it with battlefield one, they were making a really good point that, you know, one day you may play a map and it could be raining or sleeting really, really hard. And so visibility will be very low. So it'll be really hard to snipe. And the next day you could play it, you know, again with your friends and it'll be a sunny day. So it leads to different experiences every single time. Um, and I think that's really neat. I think that, you know, having this weather system and not knowing what you're going to get when you load into a map is, I think, pretty, pretty cool. I'm excited to fly the biplanes, too. Yeah. Uh, because I fucking sucked at flying those jets because they're so fast. Yes. And I think slowing down, slowing down the air combat will make it more accessible for more people and ultimately more fun. I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. And, um, you know, they mentioned that they have the largest pilotable vehicles ever in a battlefield game. So you can actually, with a crew of people fly the Zeppelin around, you can actually, you know, fly around or not fly around, but cruise around in the battleships. And, uh, there's a big battle train as well that I guess you can control, which is neat. Sounds cool. I'm on board. Does anyone remember from battlefield 1942? Don't move the carrier. Does anybody remember that? No, I kind of got on board with Battlefield 2. I only played like a very, right. very small if, amount. Yeah, I never played if you are a listener and you remember Don't Move the Carrier, please let us know on Twitter at NerdAppropriate because it used to be when 1942 came out, and this is just a 10-second story, um, if you move the aircraft carrier, it would cause the whole entire game to lag for everyone <laughs> playing. <laughs> and so there was this unspoken rule that you just don't fucking move the aircraft carrier because you could drive it. It just broke the game, and they never really fixed it. It's just like it was, <laughs> That's like awesome. this, it was this thing in 1942 where it was just like broken, you know, but it was great. That's great. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda? Man, here's what bugs me about this. Okay. <laughs> it was like a minute and a half. It felt like a minute and a half long. Am I yeah. wrong? They they keep teasing it. There's still there's still no what I would call like a uh like formal announcement of the game. You know, formal like presentation for Mass Effect Andromeda at this point. Right. Um all we know is kind of like the things that we read, the the bits and pieces that we see. There's a you know, a female protagonist that they show. Basically the the concept is that following the events of the original mass effect trilogy, it's time to go look for a new home uh, for humans to inhabit. So they go to the Andromeda system. Uh, It appears to be one of those situations where uh, you take a large vessel and everybody goes to sleep. So um, at the end of the trailer, the female uh, protagonist wakes up and was like, we made it, you know, all the lights are coming on inside the, uh, in their little like space station ship. And, uh, Let's see. We know that the Mako's coming back, so they're really going to try to 
um, accomplished what they set out to do in Mass Effect 1, but didn't really uh, nail that well. It's going to be like more of an open environment where you can explore planets and meet new um, alien creatures. And I think the other thing they were trying to get at was that they want you as the player to feel more green. So your Shepard in the original Mass Effect trilogy had already kind of seen things and done things. Um, and this, this particular player is going to be sort of new and you like everybody is sort of untested. And so it, it kind of creates a new, uh, new way to set up their relationships in the game and kind of develop your character story from the ground up with them, right, as opposed right. to just sort of kind of like coming in the middle of, of the, of the player's story. Right. I mean, so many questions from watching this. Um, they did show off that, you know, you are going to have an Asari on your crew, or at least there are Asari in the game. There are Krogan in the game. Yeah. Uh, we did see the new ship for the first time, which is, you know, it's kind of a take on the Normandy. It's like a sleeker, stealthier looking Normandy. I thought it was cool. kind of like the Normandy, if the Normandy had like a design that was closer to the Citadel, because it almost had like that tentacle kind of thing. Oh for yeah, I can see that. There was for kind of like reason, a, I, don't I thought know. it was I thought it was huge looking. Yeah, like there was it, like a generation it, ship. So it kind yeah, of it looked it like the like. Citadel, but if, you know, yeah. off, if the Citadel were a ship, I guess. Right. Huh. Kind of had that vibe to it for me. Me too. But I think there was like a fleet, so you may have seen a different ship than what we saw. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it looks it looks great from what we've seen. We haven't really like really seen like gameplay gameplay we just keep seeing that one that one guy the n7 with the jump in the smash on the ground we keep seeing that yeah flying through the air with a little rocket pack so uh that's all we got but it's it's uh coming out in october right (laughs) (laughs) right it's It's supposed to come out next year it's like quarter one now right quarter two 2017 i think think it's gonna supposed to be march 2017 (laughs) but you think it's gonna get pushed again Yeah. yeah Okay. I think it's gonna. Go, I think Absolutely. it's gonna go to Q. It's gonna go to Q4. Yeah. I think it's gonna be a Scorpio game. Yeah, which, it'll be a Scorpio. Which, which exclusive. We're gonna, we've been saying we've been saying Q4 2017. I think for about three years now. Yeah. Yeah. So I think <laughs> I think we're gonna be right on the money. There's I don't think there's any way, and I don't yeah. wish I don't wish that on them to get this out um, by March if they can't show like UI and stuff at this point. It'll you be ready I mean? when it's ready. Yeah. Right. Um, and then there was like a weird star Wars presentation where they like said a lot of things, but didn't say anything at all. They already announced <sighs> that they're doing this though, right? Like yeah. They, I mean, they, everybody knows it. Wow. Yeah. Visceral is making a, a new third person game with like, that tells a new story in the star Wars universe. And that's yeah. exciting because if it's, you know, half as good as dead space is, it'll still be incredible. Right. So, right. Right. Um, and then they just kind of went through the portfolio of EA Star Wars titles, including like the mobile game. And you're just kind of like, we already kind of know about a lot of yeah, this they're stuff. Saying yeah. We're making a whole lot of Star Wars shit, you yeah. know, which is, yeah, both exciting, but n- no real solid information. We did see, uh, you know, a couple seconds of the visceral game that, uh, Amy Henning is writing. Mm. Um, and it looks, you know, gorgeous. It just showed a guy coming out of a ship and walking through like a tattoo like yeah. town. Yeah. But it was look great. So yeah, I could not be more excited for that. And you know, while, uh, uh, battlefront looks sort of hyper realistic and very polished, it kind of was like, didn't really have that emotional impact. What I want out of a star Wars game. So no, it did while not. it's fun to play, like I kind of need, I need something more. So I'm excited and respawn yeah. is making a game too. So that's, that could be promising yeah. as well. Who knows? Who knows what it is. Yep. And then they talked about sports, and we know what that is. So Bread we can, butter. we can move on. Put yeah. the ball in the thing. 
Okay, so um, that would leave us with Bethesda. I think is how we're gonna wrap this up before we get to There's Nintendo. Only yeah, one game that's important to me here. Which guys. which one is that? Dishonored two. Dishonored two. Dishonored two. Yeah. Yep. Did they show uh, gameplay or was it more pre-rendered trailers? They the gameplay is out. Um, ah. Yeah, gameplay is out, and boy, does it look awesome! It looks multiple good. protagonists this time. You can play as a male or a female. Yeah. Um, they, they also were, said that they were shooting a, people in the butt. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. There's also a mode you can turn on where you don't, if you want to play like hardcore mode, you can turn off your shadow powers and the oh, whole shit. game and the whole game is doable without any powers, which I think is really neat. If I you, love that they have created a game that you can crank up and down kind of the way you play it. Like right. you, just, you play it how you play it and the game will react to it. And then you just kind of move through, you know, I think yeah. that's amazing. I always thought that game was like a heavy, heavily stealth focused game. And then I saw the dishonored two gameplay footage and that particular player was just causing chaos. Like, Oh yeah. Knocking stuff down, shooting people using different gadgets and stuff. It looked, it looked really fun. It is really fun. Yeah, absolutely. I did not play the first one, but I'm kind of interested now to do it. It's, I think you'd really enjoy it. And it had a really great stealth mechanic. It was not, required like it was one of those games where if you don't use stealth you'll likely get your ass kicked but you can still get away with it um but it, it was really fun really Sounds really good. well done yeah. cool uh the game that i was particularly excited about was the the prey reboot right uh which is weird we talked about prey a little bit the concept of the game um in the previous episode where you know it had this sort of like uh native american uh protagonist who uh, you know, the, the prey piece comes in because there are, I guess, like aliens coming to harvest, um, <clears throat> harvest these humans or whatever. And then it kind of kicks off this whole like weird sci-fi thing with combat. And then in this game, which is also called prey and not prey Two, um, it kind of goes the route of almost like a Bioshock infinite with, you know, weird steampunky futuristic environments. Right. And the main character is kind of going through this dystopian, like groundhog day situation where he kind of keeps reliving the same uh day pieces of his day over and over and over again and uh yeah i I mean did we get anything more than that no i i couldn't you know from watching the presentation i couldn't quite get what it was about but i think that was the idea it wanted to paint this sort of surreal um you know kind of just a very un un uneasy experience for the player you know yeah and i mean obviously like I don't know how many people know the original game, but the concept like there at some point there should be aliens or something uh, that, that make the word prey work in the game, you know, because that was right. sort of the idea is that there's some kind of, we are the, are the prey. We are the ones that are being hunted. So um, at some point in the game that needs to, to enter in to have, have the concept make sense so that it's at least in the same realm as the original game, even though right, it's, right. it seems to be nothing like it. So I don't yeah. know. I'm interested, but there's not enough, again, not enough information. Right. Uh, something we missed just because this made me think of it is we didn't talk about we happy few. Did you see that? Um, yes. The reason I didn't put that on there is because we had talked about that game, uh, during our PAX coverage. Oh, okay. Fine. Uh, like Fair two enough. years ago or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We actually, I actually played it, um, at PAX yeah. a while okay, good. ago. So, well, it still looks great. Again, yeah, like looked, dystopian future, weird. I don't know. It looks like you can touch everything in the game. So it's kind of interesting. So, can't wait for that. Anything else? Do you guys want to talk uh, just about? Just quick things. Skyrim is coming out remastered for current gen stuff. Looks pretty. And uh, for those of you who are Quake fans, there is a Quake Arena shooter coming out. PC exclusive, free to play. Um, 
you know, different characters. Uh, I wouldn't call it a hero shooter just because it's a. Would you call it, it an arena shooter? It is an arena shooter for sure. <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah. So, but it's it's an arena shooter with different characters. If that makes any. The only sense. thing that so. is weird about this is that they basically had to come out and like restake their claim to the genre. You know, they they basically came out and they were like, "We did this originally." Right. Like Quake was the originator. Wolfenstein, of this. Quake. Yeah. <laughs> and they're Doom. like okay. they're like so here is quake again you know yeah um and uh they announced a card game too which is like card games <laughs> like you're gonna yeah, get you know there's gonna be a, a a gwent card game you know based off the witcher 3 and then there bethesda's making a card game based off of uh elder scrolls so i think the i was hoping it'd be a quake card game the quake card game like the hearthstone <laughs> thing is catching on like wildfire i think my only beef with these card games is that there's not one made on an IP that I'm particularly passionate about. Like if there was a, you know, mass effect galactic card, super game. Ooh, man. You know, you know what I mean? Sold. Yeah. Totally where's my sold. mass effect cart racing too, by the way. Yeah. Um, one day. Yeah. So that was, uh, anything else from Bethesda that you want no, to talk about? No, I think next year is going to be huge for them. This was just sort of like uh, filler stuff until we wait for the next huge yep. IP to come out. So big updates for doom and stuff too. So like, I guess that community is rocking pretty good. Um, yep. so that's fun. Uh, last thing I want to talk about is Nintendo. Uh, basically all they had was, um, some new Pokemon titles, but the, the legend of Zelda, we saw some gameplay from the new game. The game right. is called breath of the wild. Let me tell you, Scott, what? I actually want to play a Zelda hey, game. That's cool. Like, remember, remember our theme of uh, third person action adventure games in the woods? Like, yep. this is this is another one of those this games. This is another one of those. And it's yeah. weird because they are changing the formula of Legend of Zelda, it would appear, um, to first incorporate a fully um, like expansive open world environment. They've kind of done that in the past, but the environments are sort of gated and uh they follow like a metroid formula where you need you know certain abilities to do things so it's not clear if they're going to do that but it looks like you know it's going to be one of those games where you know you can say hey see that mountain over there like off in the distance you can ride your horse there you know Uh, that that kind of open world thing but the other thing that is curious about this game is that it seems to be sort of almost bending in the direction of uh like a oblivion or Skyrim kind it of It is very Western RPG, man. Yeah. I actually watched, before we started this, um, they're streaming it right now, actually, on uh, IGN. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have been for a while. They just, they're just like letting people stream it and play it. And it is huge. Uh, yes. That is no joke. And it's very like, collect this shit. Like, here's some drops from enemies. And like, you get different, like, you know, like, they fought this lizard guy and he had a big stick. And then Link could actually equip and use the stick and yeah. keep it as his own stick. I saw that. Like, yeah, there was a screen, yeah. there was a screenshot where it was like, not only were, were you picking up the weapons, it was like this, you know, what you have now is zero and you pick up the stick and it gets you to two for your yeah. attack. Right. And then you right. pick up, you pick up this pole staff and it gets you from two to five and you can, a little description of like, you can beat enemies over the head with this, this pole or whatever. Right. And there's different like dark souls esque attacks and rolls where you're like, you know, doing dodges and figuring out the best way to, to take down opponents yeah. based on their particular attack patterns. So it is a very different Zelda game. Um, one that gets me excited, which may upset other like Zelda diehards. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. It's going to be interesting to see how fans react. Ultimately, they basically like, you know, no more uh, hearts hidden in the grass. Like if you want to replenish your energy, you need to go find food. They showed in the trailer, a screen of link cooking something over an open uh, like uh cauldron uh, uh, with a fire. They showed a, a screen of him, um, like doing a little stealth, like sneaking around enemies in order to get a best advantage to attack them. Um, 
they also showed it was very brief and you kind of have to rewatch it to catch it. They showed Link using what looked like to be a uh, like a magnet, but the magnet kind of looked like uh, almost like a hologram. And oh, cool. He, he lifted something out of the water and used it to, I don't know, create a bridge or attack enemies or something like that. But the way that it moved, the way that that beam moved in relation to the magnet made me think that that's where some of the weird Nintendo stuff came in with like motion or drawing or, you know, doing some like waggling or something. Uh, okay. And so it's interesting because I believe this game is slated to be released for the Wii U and the NX. So uh, if you go back and watch that trailer, try to imagine what these experiences might be like on the Wii U versus what they might ultimately be on some yet unknown piece of hardware. I think that's something really interesting interesting. to consider as well. I guess the real big question I have for you, Scott, is will this game have tingle? (laughs) Tingle. Photorealistic tingle. Well, unfortunately, there is no tingle amiibo that has yet been announced for this game. Uh, They did announce um, three new amiibo, which is a uh, link with a crossbow and then like a link as a guardian on a a horse, I think. And then uh, something else called, maybe I got those words mixed up, but I think there's one, there's a, some kind of creature called the guardian who looks like uh it almost looks like the uh the robot from the incredibles <laughs> you know oh yeah, yeah 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 with the with the four arms and the big the big centerpiece or whatever um and then they also said that you'd be able to use the wolf link which was included with twilight princess to almost have a uh wolf link as a familiar in the game oh wow that's yeah, awesome which is weird so they they said like if you have save data from twilight princess and you tap your wolf link amiibo uh it actually becomes like a permanent familiar as opposed to like a temporary one uh, if you have no save data yeah so that's kind of like that's the incentive that's a nice there. little perk yeah that's and cool. then the only other thing that is worth mentioning about this game is that when they showed the screen last year fans kind of like because you couldn't see link that well fans thought maybe there was going to be uh, link was going to be a female because longtime zelda fans will know that link is not one singular person it's kind of like james bond you know many right many right. iterations of the same character sort of told through different stories over the time you know the hero of times uh history so fans like saw that screenshot and they were like well hey why can't link be a female character and they kind of like i read some articles where they kind of were just like we considered that and didn't do it <laughs> you know like that's what oh, it boiled geez. down to is like come on yeah. just just try just try to do it because in there the between time they announced one inflammatory like, comment apparently that everybody's really mad at yeah yeah so um uh you know they in the meantime they announced a linkle for high hyrule warriors so maybe that was supposed to like appease people but like i think having a legend of zelda game with a female link could be awesome and there's no literally i cannot think of any reason whatsoever narratively why that would not have worked for even any of the previous games right, in the series right, you know what right. i mean so there's no reason not to do it at least one one of which i'm not aware so um yeah so that's that so that's i think we covered everything that was uh on our radar so right it was a beefy episode for you guys it was yeah it, it really was i'm sure there's much more to talk about there is we did let well, some things fall through another, the cracks another e3 discussion next week why not <laughs> yeah so hey sure. i mean if there was something we missed and something that you want to talk about further or something that we did talk about and you want us to talk about further, let us know. And uh, maybe we'll pick it up again next week in, in a more regular episode uh, than this one was. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to episode 236 of the rated NA podcast. 
Uh, we had a lot of fun talking about E3, and we actually gathered up a bunch of your responses to um, your the things that you were most excited about at E3, and we'll talk about those next week because we've gone a little bit long, so we'll add those to next week's show. As always, you can find us on Twitter at NerdAppropriate. You can email us directly, and that's Matt, Scott, and Ash at NerdAppropriate.com, or if you have a general question or comment, to send it to nerds at NerdAppropriate.com. Uh, we have a Twitch TV channel. If you go to Twitch TV slash NerdAppropriate, we will be streaming there more regularly as soon as my son figures out when bedtime is. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, what else? We have Facebook slash NerdAppropriate and, of course, YouTube slash NerdAppropriate as well. And uh, you guys are the very best, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Please head over to oneorlando.org and consider donating if you can. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. <laughs> sorry i you, you know you guys just get to talk and i just uh for me the show is like playing in my head with all the music and everything so you're like michael winslow yeah 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 the the show the show already has all of the uh accoutrements in it when when we're doing it for me if it even <laughs> if you guys don't hear it i still hear all the stuff <laughs> <laughs>